you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Spent too much time in the sun. Welcome to another edition of Around the NFL. I am Dan Hanses. I have a reddish hue to my pale skin tone. Joined, as always, by a man who always looks a little pale on camera, Greg Rosenthal. Yeah, I've changed uh, locations. If you watch us on YouTube, you can see my new garage setup. Um, but uh, I still haven't found the correct lighting to give me the the color that I truly have. You do you do get quite dark in the summer there, Danny. I do, I do. Um, let's see if we can do better, though. Let's welcome in another man who has to be very careful in the sun. Uh, and if you have to be careful in the weight room when he's around you, yes, one of our favorites... The great Nick Shook. What's up, bud? I am wearing a hat because I was not careful in the sun in L.A. last few days. <laughs> there he is, Shooky. Shooky, who, of course, is invaluable on our Sunday flagship programs, helping out, watching games, talking about them, and that will be coming back in, my goodness, less than two months. And, Shook, it's great to have you here. I have to say you come on a great day for the NFL and a great day uh, for Commanders fans, because yes, it's happening. It's over. Today, according to PFT and other outlets, the owners will vote to approve the sale of the Washington Commanders from Daniel Snyder to Josh Harris. It's happening. There's a vote going down in Indianapolis. Uh, so it is a bright horizon for the Commanders. And the NFC East, heads up, guys, it's about to change because, mm. well, it could change. Couldn't be worse, Shook. The commanders are about to be free of Snyder. Yeah, I mean, next next stop, new stadium. Everything's looking up for them, maybe. We'll see. But, I mean, uh, to, to eliminate what was essentially an albatross from them um, in the form of ownership, it's great. It's, it's fantastic. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Now you can move forward and start the new era. I mean, they could go 6-11, and 11, and I feel like this is going to be the greatest year for the Washington franchise since the 90s. Like no matter what happens, they might be kind of frisky. Maybe maybe we'll even get to that. But they might be they might be frisky. And as recently as a week ago, there was some thought this could get gummied up and messed up at the last second. So hopefully, um, we're we're taping this before that official meeting. Hopefully, they don't bang us here. But we we've celebrated this a few times now. Yeah, and th- this time I think it's going to happen. And it comes a week after. I don't know if you guys talked about it uh, last week, but the ESPN deep dive on how Snyder nearly survived. Um, but made a few crucial missteps in the last couple of years that opened the door for the owners to finally make the move. So Josh Harris is about to take over the commanders, uh, kind of the big news today. And with, with Nick Shook here, you know, I, I, I mentioned uh, Greggy, or I, I pulled out some of my uh, father's old LP albums um, on the Monday program and I, I thought with Nick here, because Nick, Greggy, has, as we say, plays such a, a vital role on our Sunday night shows. 
but I think it's important that the audience gets to know Nick more. Do you agree with that, Greg? Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing where he's like a relief pitcher that we only bring in uh, during the World Series, like in our biggest, <laughs> highest octane moments. But for some reason, he doesn't get enough regular season innings. I'm with you. Emmanuel Class A type. That's, uh, that's uh, shook to us. Yeah, except I have a slider, not just a cutter and a fastball. And I mean, I have some more breaking stuff, not just 103 miles an hour. So instead, uh, Shook, of me sharing some of my dad's old records, uh, please share with the audience and us your top three Desert Island albums. If you, if you had to take three um, albums, records uh, with you for the rest of time, what would they be? One well, at a time. As anybody has has experienced when they've considered this scenario, you need something that has longevity, something that you can listen to no matter the mood, something that could potentially set the mood, get you through one more day out there on the desert island, right? <laughs> yeah. So we're going to go, first off the top of the list, a semi-recent album. This is Tyler, the Creator's, I think it was 2017 album, Flower Boy, which wow. is a masterpiece front to back. You can debate me on it all day. It should have won an award. It was nominated. It didn't win the Grammy it deserved because Kendrick Lamar happened to release an album that year, and it went to him. That's his best album, top front to back. It's fantastic. All I can right. listen to that at any time. Number, Number two, two on this list. This. We're going to come out of the same collective of sorts, the LA Kids. Ego Death by The Internet, a group that has since gone on to do their own this separate things. This is also another great album, front to back. All these people in this group, individually talented this is the same collective that frank ocean came from too not the internet specifically but odd future you know as a whole so that's a great album as well i highly suggest it and number three good kid mad city by kendrick lamar his best album uh, an album i saw perform live in college because he wasn't big enough to get outside of kent state back in the day a fantastic album as well tons of bangers on there love it beautiful Beautiful choices there, Shook, and perhaps an all-time backfire uh, for you, Greg. Uh, famously, uh, Greg likes rap, and you've had that corner. I mean, you've been on that corner for this program. And now here comes Shook, not just with, like, basic stuff, but kind of going deep and showing his knowledge of rap and, and hip-hop culture. Uh, you're a little upset. I know impressed, probably, but also maybe deep down it's bothering you a little bit that Shook just dropped a hammer on your ace. I mean, I feel like it's bothering you. You're the one that put me on the Greg Lakes rap corner. You're right. Uh, Shook Lakes rap <laughs> Why more. would it bother me? I love there, it. There's no way I'm going all three rap um, albums on my desert list. So, so I think Shook officially likes rap more, because he's talking about setting the mood. I mean, Setting the mood for what? A little um, like self-love, if anything, then you want a little ah! variety. You want a little variety. But but uh, <laughs> Ego Death by who is that again? Because I'm going to I'm going to listen to that album and I'm hoping even though it hurts that you're taking that corner that you add to my um, my musical enjoyment this week by listening yeah. to some Internet. The okay. Internet. You'll find uh, you'll find that it's not it's more like um, it's it's almost neo soul. Not quite there. Oh, it's a, it's a okay. blend between that and okay. hip hop. So there's okay. some variety. Perhaps we learned today that Greg likes rap. Well, we knew that. But Shook loves rap. Mm. I do like Tyler, though. I, I'm a big I like that album. That's great. Let's do some news. Ravens trying to end it here. Fourth down. Dalton steps up. Dalton throws. It's complete. Yes, we learned on Monday that there's at least one player in the NFL that views Andy Dalton as a future Hall of Famer. 
that's my favorite uh, Dalton Bengals memory. 2017, knocking the Ravens out of the playoffs in Baltimore, putting the Bills in for the first time in a couple decades uh, with that miracle strike at M&T Bank Stadium. Uh, Shook, he might not be making the haul. Uh, but he'll always have that moment driving a stake through the heart of the Baltimore Ravens as a Browns fan. I'm sure you enjoyed watching that. Uh, yeah, because the Bills ended up getting back to the playoffs before the Browns did at that time. The Browns' most recent time was 2002. So understanding the drought and what you go through in the in the the pure joy when you finally get through when somebody else helps you, it, it was a great moment. And yeah, if it happens to a division rival as it did, you know, it just cherry on the top. One one little note here is just like. It, if someone were rude enough to try to make the case against Andy Dalton as a Hall of Famer, mm. you know, if he does come up, um, I do think you could point out he's 0-4 in his four playoff games. The highest his team scored in any of those games was 13 points. He's had one touchdown and six interceptions. He took 12 sacks. I don't and know why Andy I felt Dalton. the need to do that. I just, <laughs> I just drew it up, and I was like, what, we can't get a better moment than Andy Dalton? But no, actually, that was the best moment. That was just totally unnecessary, Greg. <laughs> what are we? What is this? The basketball Hall of Fame? It was worse than I thought, though. I was just like, I just thought I'd bring up the old postseason game log. I was like, was it really that bad? He was like, yeah, it was that bad. Um. Oh my goodness. You know, I went to just pull up the, uh, some news on Zach Martin, the star guard of the Cowboys, who may be holding out. Um. Instead, I, I accidentally pulled up a NFL.com article about. Zach Martin joining the 99 club for Madden. What I understand that things are slow right now and they're just starting to pick up the jets uh, reported for camp yesterday. Uh, speaking of the Browns shook MIA um, with the opportunity to report uh, choosing to instead rest on their laurels on, on last season success. Apparently uh, I don't know where you come down on that, but uh yeah, I don't, can we calm down with the, the Madden rankings and using that as news fodder? And listen, we do a podcast throughout the offseason. I understand it's hard to come up with content, but Madden video game uh, developers choosing the number and then us doing tons of articles and conversations on it on sports shows. Do we need it? I don't think we need it. I feel like this is planned because I'm here because this is my corner and, I, and I'm leading this coverage and, and working with EA on this. <laughs> like this is just not, I mean, not not, you know, unintentional is, shook, but maybe important <laughs> that we're having this conversation. I went out there and played the new game last month in their studios. Uh, I'll oh, tell you, no. I'll t- uh, yeah, I'll tell you, Dan, it's awkward. It's just, we're supporting them. You know, let's get through this awkward moment together. We're supporting the league's official product, uh, the official licensed video game of the NFL, Mad NFL 24, available Can in I- August. Whoa, that was weird. Uh, he's officially the first guard ever to be 99. Well, this is this is back to our metric days. It's the same reason why Terrell Pryor got a lot of articles. It, it, those Madden articles do great. They, they do great. Uh, the, the Peyton Hillis, the number of articles written about Peyton Hillis being the Madden cover boy in 2012. <laughs> I, I have carpal tunnel syndrome from it still. Um, anyway, six-time All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowl guard Zach Martin uh, reportedly unhappy with his current compensation and will – Consider skipping training camp, uh, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. A source also told Schefter that Martin believes, quote, he is woefully underpaid relative to the market. Shook, you do great work. In addition to your tireless efforts promoting the Madden brand um, and its uh, yearly product, uh, you know, you know, the uh, meat and potatoes of the game 
the trenches better than anyone, certainly better than us. Tell us about what makes Zach Martin special and whether you think he deserves more money for what he does. Consistency more than anything. The guy is, is frequently available, and this is an offensive line that's undergone a ton of changes. Not only that, but he's playing at a high level when he's available throughout his career. Number of all pros, as you just listed, Pro Bowl appearances. Guy gets the 99 rating for a reason in Madden because he is one of the best and has been one of the best for quite some time now. And uh, I think you should pay somebody like that, especially when you lose your left tackle every other year, or you lose your right tackle every other year. You have to shift the offensive line. One guy you don't have to really worry about moving around for, Zach Martin, who's going to always be a good guard. I'd like a little extra like drama heading into Oxnard. You know, the, they always have the... It's like, oh, the Cowboys are getting off their plane in Oxnard. It's a big day here in Southern California. And now, like, there aren't many holdouts anymore in the NFL. But if you're going to hold out, if you can do it when you're like a future Hall of Fame guy who's already made $20 million and you know that the Joneses would never hold it against you. They're never going to actually find him because and he knows that. And so he's going to skip it if he can. And that offensive line shook has regressed in recent years. It was one of the best in the league. Uh, so Martin's even more important because he is uh, the anchor there. He doesn't miss mu- much time at all. He's only missed eight games in his career. Um, so, you know, at a time we'll get to a little bit later, you know, the, the running backs and that ongoing storyline this summer, um, use your leverage when you can. And, and uh, the Cowboys, they'd like, you know, unlike some teams, they sometimes go out of their way to take care of their stars, even if it hurts them in the long term. So I, I think Martin's probably making the right move, making noise while he can. Yeah, I mean, he's nearing 33 turns 33 in november so like there's Mm. the time to cash in is now this is the moment to get your last big contract and you know maximize your value and play good football until the wheels fall off because offensive line is one of the toughest positions and it's there's a reason that we pay attention to jason kelsey and whether he's coming back every year yeah he still plays in an elite level but he's old (laughs) it's hard to stay in the league that long at that position in other news uh greg do you remember draft night (sighs) i want to say the pandemic year. I know where um, you're going with this. And yes, I do. Yes. Uh, my father-in-law, a great man, um, raised an incredible woman. Uh, my wife, Emily, uh, Bob Bates, DDS. Uh, he retired. He came on our program on draft night at the end of the uh, conclusion of the 2020 draft. And the Jets had selected wide receiver Denzel Mims out of Baylor and, um, my father-in-law was raving about Denzel Mims and his abilities and his production uh, while with the Bears down there in Waco uh, and said he'd be a star. And I have to I have to connect with uh, G-Bob for official con- comment on this. Uh, it never worked out for the Jets. He's totaled only 42 catches for 676 yards without a touchdown in three years. And yet, because of his pedigree, second-round pick, he stuck around, well, no longer. The Jets moved him in a trade uh, to the Detroit Lions. The Lions sent a conditional six-rounder for the Jets' seventh-rounder in 2025 uh, per rap sheet, and we learned today that um, the Jets or the Lions only have to pay up their draft pick, uh, that conditional pick, if Mims makes the team, which is no guarantee. So Denzel Mims joins the Lions, but we'll see if he makes the team, and uh, the Jets' wide receiver room continues to evolve. Yeah, uh, lesser remembered for good reason on that night was was me um, supporting your boy Bob Bates. I can call him your boy. Can you call your father in law your boy? I would not. Yeah, it call. seems a little yeah, yeah. overly chummy. Yeah. Uh, he's more a figure of respect. Right. I if I if I called Watanabe son that actually I, I may <laughs> no longer be in the family. You bring great di- disgrace to the family. 
I, I supported him on this Denzel Mims take. I like Denzel Mims coming out of college. I should have known Baylor wide receivers coming out of college for whatever reason uh, just hasn't worked. I hope Tyquan Thornton breaks that streak for the Patriots, but so far not so good. Corey Coleman was kind of a bust. There was one more too. I guess Josh Gordon should have been good. Um, player. I hate my, my least favorite thing about stories like this is everyone being like, hey, you got to hand it to Joe Douglas. You got to <laughs> hand it to yeah, He always gets some value. He Are you sure that's value. really a thing? That seems a little strong, man. Is yeah, that really like, out there? He, he got the <laughs> a sixth to seventh round pick is nothing. It doesn't matter. Um, I mean, it's fine. It's better than not getting anything, but it, it's as little as you can get. Once you get in the middle of those drafts, they're trading those like seventh round picks around like Pez dispensers. It doesn't matter. Isn't it fun that a Jets team that was lacking for receivers just a few years ago is now just jettisoning receivers in the offseason left and right because they, mm. they've upgraded. They're better now. They don't need those guys that didn't produce immediately. Well, I hope That's, Corey Davis uh, actually sticks. That's my one thing I want to yeah. say, and, and, and this makes sense. I'd say that I have um, you know, concerns that Elijah Moore reaches his potential in Cleveland. It's certainly possible. He's very talented. Um, so I, I would say I'm a little worried about that. I'm not so worried about Mims uh, teaming up with Jared Goff to wreak havoc in uh, Motown. Uh, but we shall see. Uh, the Steelers doing some business. Alex Highsmith had a breakout season in 2022, and the Steelers have agreed to terms with the pass rusher on a four-year, $68 million extension. Rap Sheet reported on Wednesday. Uh, the team later confirmed, confirmed the news. Highsmith was entering the final year of his rookie deal in 2023. And now, Shook, he is among the top highest paid pass rushers in the NFL. Uh, your thoughts on Highsmith and the move? 14 and a half sacks in a year in which he operated largely without T.J. Watt. Uh, that's pretty good numbers. This is a guy who I think had the raw ability and needed to just kind of acclimate and get a full NFL body. He looked really good at the combine. And, and given the opportunity to really show off his skills without Watt on the other side, he performed. He produced. And now they're going to get Watt back. And we got two really good edge rushers. So they're going to pay him as such because, again, they're not paying a quarterback. So they have a little bit more money to spend. I, I do like when teams have like a consistent profile and them having two great outside linebacker edge rushers has basically been the story of the Steelers for most of the last 15 years and Highsmith steps right in. I feel like not a lot of people know him. He got better and better every year. Wasn't that, you know, highly touted coming out of college and last year was awesome. And finally in the news. Yes. I went with an Andy Dalton highlight for the news drop today. Perhaps Chad Johnson deserves love too. He was a big time performer for Cincinnati in the previous decade. Um, Dalton loved throwing to Chad Johnson or Chad Ochocinco. And he will be inducted into the team's ring of honor on September 25th. The team announced Thursday um, also being inducted is Boomer Esiason, former league MVP, nearly took the team to an incredible uh, upset victory over the 49ers in Super Bowl 23. Frankly, and I love Boomer. He, he went to the Jets. He was declining at that time, but he was um, a fun player to watch and a real New York guy. Grew up in Long Island and West Hempstead. Um I don't know why he wasn't in the ring of honor already. I don't know if there was some heat between Cincinnati and Boomer at some point, but both men go in to rock solid additions, Greg, uh, because Johnson and Boomer, very memorable players in their respective eras. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, is there a backstory? If I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm Boomer Sison, I'm almost annoyed that like I'm going in the same time as uh, Chad Johnson. I think, I think it does have to do with a Sison asked for a trade out of Cincinnati 
you know, that like he, he forced his way out. He, he set the playbook that Carson Palmer would later follow and, and grumbled a little bit about ownership. So uh, it took a while, but it's good to see. I have some info uh, yeah. just so we're, we're uh, this is very Cincinnati as well. Although of course they've kind of gotten their act together. Now that they have a potential uh, ring of honor quarterback uh, in his prime right now, but Cincinnati didn't even establish their ring of honor until 2020. So, <laughs> Uh, okay. That's Maybe big... Boomer should have been part of the first class or whenever that was, but uh, yeah, that or 2020. Uh, but yeah, he, he got in in one of the first groups, so I guess we could stand down a little bit. I was going to say, it felt like uh, Burrow's arrival woke up the Bengals to the fact that they're an NFL franchise and they've been steadily improving their club since then. They renamed their stadium with, you know, they got the corporate dollars, they're building the practice facility, now they're doing the Ring of Honor. You know, they're, they're, they're getting up to speed now. My, one of my favorite parts of this, and it, it makes me feel a little old that like Chad Johnson is old enough to do this because I, I do think people remember him more for changing his name and the touchdown celebrations and kind of forget he had about seven seasons where he had Hall of Fame production. I think he's a legit Hall of Fame conversation. He'll probably be on the edge, but like 1300 yard type seasons year after year. But this also reminded me um, that Corey Dillon absolutely destroyed Mike Brown like two weeks ago for not being part of the ring of honor. I don't know if he knows they just started it uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, We're all catching up on this. He called it BS. um, And he he was very upset about uh, being held out of there. He he said, I'm pretty sure they will put effing John Kitna in there before they put me. Matter of fact, Scott Mitchell will end up in that mother effer before I do. Uh, That was Corey Dillon. Well, if you talk like that, (laughs) (laughs) why challenge? Why challenge a team to to hold you out? Uh, I'm going to name some guys. This is uh, good stuff here from um, the athletic Paul Denner Jr., uh, who has been on the show, I believe. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. Um, here are some guys, if the, assuming Cincinnati goes with two guys a year in the ring of honor, some names that are out there, Corey Dillon, obviously, but it might have to simmer down a little bit. Uh, this is for, uh, Chris Wessling's, uh, brothers back in the West side of Cincinnati, Jim Breach, James Brooks, Chris Collinsworth, David Fulcher, Tim Crumry, Dave Lapham, Max Montoya, Lamar Parrish, Bob Trumpy, Reggie Williams, all will remain from the original mm. list of nominees. Those are some guys. Capital S, capital G. I was thinking TJ Husmanzada might make it in there. I don't know. Mm. Mm. Maybe. Not I mean, yet on the list, but will be on the list eventually when they hit whatever. You know, maybe it's five years like <laughs> they the Canton move Hall. the second facade within the stadium where they put the names on. Right. Geno Atkins, AJ Green, Andrew Whitworth uh, all feel like future additions, but they are not eligible yet. So we have we have you totally covered on the Cincinnati Bengals ring of honor beat. <laughs> I'm glad we threw it out there. Uh, six straight 1100 yard seasons. And most of those four of those were over 1300 yards. That That's pretty good. Chad Johnson. Yeah, and and Boomer was uh, unbelievable in 1988. Uh, he won league MVP, and uh, I still, yes, I still picture his final pass of the Dan Reno fake spike game going through the back of the end zone and through the uprights at Giants Stadium, kind Ooh. of st- rubber stamped like his legacy in New York, being the QB <laughs> of that team in that game. Uh, however, uh, you know, it worked out for Boomer, who's a fantastically successful uh, radio guy in New York and obviously get paid, gets paid a lot for, by CBS as well. Boomer's doing all right. All right. We're doing all right. Let's take a break. And we'll be right back. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right. Welcome back to Around the NFL. This is our last uh, remote show. I'm in Jersey. I'm in Jersey. Um, that's my Springsteen. Uh, Greg back in California. Shook in Ohio. Um, we'll all be back next week. I, I have I've booked, by the way, Greggy, one of our favorite guests, and one of my favorite segments will we'll be back. Uh, Connor Orr will be joining us next week for team slogans for 2023. Mm. So make make sure you're there for that, everybody. It's big. Monday, yeah, in the studio. Sessler. And I guess I, we assume Sessler's, you know, will return from his family trip, but you never it, know. It's just an assumption. And uh, as you might expect, uh, the Hard Knocks podcast will also be returning in a couple of weeks. Uh, just so happens that the New York Jets are uh, the team. So it kind of works out nicely there for Zeus or getting an entire sub podcast series based off uh, come coming off the around the NFL tree. Connie and I will be doing weekly uh, recaps every Tuesday and we'll be doing a preview show that's going to land soon. So that's exciting. Housekeeping. Finally, this is the Nick Shook episode uh, this summer and uh, we're getting to know Shook. We have a segment that's a playoff his name which is just spicy as hell, Greggy, uh, whenever you can play off one of the great uh, last names in the industry. Um, but before we get to that, um, we heard his his three Desert Island albums, very hip-hop heavy. Uh, he loves rap. Greg likes it. Shook loves it. That's been noted. Now it's time for Shook's three favorite sitcoms of all time. Now, do, what, what era are we going? Are we going all-time Shooky? Are we going... Uh, retro uh, era decades. Tell me what you got. No, we followed your uh, suggested format of 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. And there's going to be a little bit of blurring of the lines here because some of these have been running for quite some time and could, you know, encompass multiple decades. But starting with the 90s, what choice is there other than Seinfeld? One of the greatest sitcoms of all time, dominated the decade. Incredible ratings in the final episode. People were watching it in Times Square when they had CTVs that were jumbotrons and big squares. It was great. It's a great show. I still watch it all the time. Uh, it, and Shook, it, you're you're significantly younger uh, by I think like a decade of, of Greg and I, something like that. Um, I remember that night specifically when Seinfeld went off the air in May of '98. I had a, a baseball game. I was a high school senior, and everybody was like racing back from the baseball game to get home uh, to watch the finale of Seinfeld, and it was you know. Eh. Not yeah. the best, but uh, it was a very it, it, looking back. It's very hard to close out a show like that with that amount of hype around the finale. But I also remember Frank Sinatra died that night. And it, it was like this huge cultural moment where mm. the, maybe the greatest entertainer of the 20th century. Um, I think you just uh, broke the news to Shook based on the look on his face. <laughs> Frank Sinatra is dead. Uh, sorry. <laughs> well, who is Frank Sinatra? <laughs> Sinatra dies the same day Seinfeld ends, which is uh, the last great sitcom of the 20th century that's uh you know that was a big day harrowing news from the abc news wire <laughs> uh, i i love that you threw that out there but it does remind me of one of my all-time favorite uh or are you kidding me um segments where 
Connor just spent 10 minutes destroying Seinfeld, saying that it was overrated, yeah. that it was terrible, and that um, people like yourself. And I'm, I'm always shocked. Our friend Sean Kelly, who's a, one of the uh, production people at uh, NFL, who's in his mid-20s, huge Seinfeld fan. I'm almost surprised how much it's connected with the youth. I think it's a bit of a tired take, and I've I've gone after Connor every once in a while when when his his takes seem just designed to 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 shock and awe. Uh, going after Seinfeld is not being as good as um, people say it. I mean, I, I feel like it's just people showing their ass and not realizing what that show was doing and how different it was uh, in its era. That's my two cents on. I mean, it, he's but, no uh, Skip Bayless though. He believed it. He believed it. That's why I loved it. <laughs> All right, number two, Shook. Number two, we go to the 2000s, and although it is still running because it came back, a cousin of Seinfeld, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay. Great show. It's kind uh, of okay. cheating going with both, I think. Just, just two yeah. shows in Curb. Kind of the yeah. same genre, basically. Yeah, so. yeah. It, um, I, it's I kind of a g- spinoff in a way, really. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. Kind of. I'm a genre guy. This show gives me a lot of anxiety because I <laughs> don't like conflict <laughs> that much. And uh, so I can't watch it before bed like I do watch Seinfeld, but... When I'm not going to bed, I enjoy it very much. Great show. Probably should probably should go away now, but it's it's fine. Yeah. He, right. Larry David could do whatever he wants. Go I feel ahead. like Number it's three. the ultimate. Um, and I don't think this was the intent, but it's like people fight over credit a little bit. Everyone wants their credit, like different coaches want credit. Larry David doing curb sort of was the ultimate. Like, I'm going to go win five Super Bowls on my own when I won three with you and prove who was the real the real there is there are some Brady Belichick parallels with Brady to the Bucks being curb your enthusiasm, which is crazy because if you think yeah. about it, Seinfeld would beat Brady, and and <laughs> Belichick would be Larry David, you know, no. going literally. <laughs> number three, right, and finally, number three, the 2010s. This is a show that actually started in the 2000s, and I watched this from when I was in high school, and I still watch it. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm. Now, this show has lost some steam in recent years, and this new season right now, it's hit or miss. One episode is hilarious, another episode I could do without. But the earlier seasons were premier, just top-notch stuff. That it, Like Seinfeld was doing something different in the 90s, Always Sunny was doing something very different when they first came around, and with no money for a long time, and it has remained very popular. I like this because I understand your sensibilities now, Shook, and it is a great choice. I do agree... I love the early years, especially when it the show, in addition to all the characters being grimy, look grimy. It just yeah. looked cheap. And, and now I when I stumble upon a recent episode, I'm, I'm taken aback by how they all kind of look like TV stars and the lighting is better. Uh, but it's it's followed that always sunny. Um, excuse me. It's followed the curb format. In fact, I think I, in an interview, one of the guys um, said like one of the. Um, tenants of the show continuing as long as it has been is like you, Larry Dave was like, you don't have to end it. You just, you could just keep things going. You could take a couple years off. Don't have to end a show. Do it as long as you want. Um, I saw a recent episode that the Chuck E. Cheese type yeah. episode, which I was funny <laughs> as hell. So they yeah. still have, they could reach back and hit 92 on the gun every once in a while. Uh, but peak always sunny. Yeah. That I'll laugh my ass off on that show. I like how they stay topical too. Like they even made an episode related to the uh, chess cheating scandal that happened last year <laughs> where Frank <laughs> ends up getting inserted uh, into the chess tournament. And uh, yeah, it's just hilarious. Still hilarious. Greg, we're learning about him. I, I, we need to do this more. All right. With that said, I feel segue. Seen. 
Segway. We learned that he liked F1, by the way. Everyone should check out his um, that? his podcast that combines football and F1, the Grid Iron podcast, which I have to admit, Shook, I, I've seen you promote on uh, Instagram. And, everyone, and I thought it was a combined football weightlifting podcast and that oh, the, the iron men because you guys yeah. you know you, you're a big guy i don't know about your co-host but uh so i thought that's a weird angle the the weightlifting football uh podcast f1 makes more sense to me it's a new segment idea why not let's incorporate wait that how well. about this how about this you're knowledgeable in all three fields so grid represents f1 pumping that would be the weightlifting component and then iron for football grid pumping iron that's just keep on drawing this out and adding elements of the show. It's a it's a it's a three header. Grid pumping, um, sizzling iron. We get cooking involved. <laughs> you know, just keep going, going and going until it's a giant mouthful that you can never get out. Um. All right. Nick Shook has a great name, uh, a great last name. So we just built an entire segment on it. Uh, with training camp and a new season upon us. It's time for us to share. What has a shook mm. in the NFL right now? And Greg, it's uh, I think it's it's pretty self-explanatory, like things that are just gnawing at us a little bit, things that have us a little uh, noivous, perhaps. You noivous about certain things as the season kicks off. I feel like um, Shook's last name has been the subject of many different segments. Like I've seen it on NFL Network, but none are better than what else is Shook. I don't. This was there the whole time, Shook. You could have taken it. You blew it. Yeah. Good morning, football. If you want to have Nick on, uh, there's a freebie for you. <laughs> I don't have any agency over my name. In fact, I just push people away from using my name because this is the first reply. I say something on Twitter. I'm Shook. Now, would you say that that <laughs> Super left annoying. <laughs> but here it's fine. All right, great. And again, sorry about the uh, cross-contamination with your Madden uh, business relationship. That was totally unintentional. <laughs> you know how many emails I'm going to have to send now, Dan? Get everybody back in the good graces. All right, so why don't we get it started with Nick Shook. What has you shook about uh, the NFL right now as we enter a new season? Maybe I'm just uh, off base. Maybe I'm out of touch. But I find it hard to believe that Ron Rivera would tie his future in the NFL as a head coach to a quarterback who played just one game as a rookie last year. That seems to be the prevailing wisdom. And and, and if that actually does happen, I'll be shook because, (laughs) quite frankly, you couldn't choose a less stable way to go about trying to keep your job especially with Jacoby Brissett on the roster. I mean, that's why you go sign the guy, right? Security. He went and played pretty well in Cleveland last year in a team that was in flux. This team has talent at receiver, has talent at running back, still pretty talented up front as well. Why not go with the veteran when this could be your last year? Don't be the savior, Ron. Save yourself. It has been a little surprising that coming out of the offseason workouts that there doesn't seem to be a battle. That it's one of the few like big surprises of the OTA season, like that actually they they gave Jacoby Brissett all that money more than any other backup in the market got, and that he's not going to get a chance to compete. But I'm not shook about this. I like it. All right. Um, yeah, I am. I'm definitely shook about it. Talked about it on the show. I, 
It seems like uh, Ron is just in a vulnerable place. We led the show today, obviously talking about the sale of the franchise and the inevitable transition and um, that comes with uh, new ownership. And I feel like Ron is kind of in a no-win situation here, um, unless something really unexpected happens, like Howell plays his ass off. That's like the is that the only way Ron keeps his job here? They got to Howell plays his ass off, surprises a lot of people, and they have a winning record. Otherwise, you just I just assume that they're going to want a totally clean slate um, after you know no organization's been dirtier than the Commanders um, than than this team. So they're going to want to start over unless it's a Hail Mary. Maybe I think they got to make the playoffs with a new owner. You have to make the playoffs. It's his year four. I think it's a decent looking roster. I did. I did the NFC East preview actually with, with Mina Kimes on her podcast. People should check that out. And like, I went back to watch that, that Howell start and a little bit of his preseason. I, I know it was just one start, but I'm very intrigued. I think he went through his reads quickly. I think he passes the baseline of NFL quarterbacks, which is if you protect him, he's going to be fine. And then I think he has the plus traits that you don't see necessarily out of like a Desmond Ritter, certainly. Like that one start he made, getting to his second read really quickly quite a lot of times, and then we know he can run. He's a little smaller. That worries you that he runs too much. Uh but he can run and he can throw a very pretty go ball. Like there's some plus traits. I, I'm excited to watch it. It's made me more excited to watch the commanders than I have. It's such a, I get it. It's good. And obviously it's good to, to watch a tape, but one game is such a small sample size. <laughs> yeah. that you, you know, the opponent, how they was good in the plan, preseason you know. too. I would say like, yeah, I know it's not that much, but I'm, but I'm saying that one game I was thinking about, it, and I went back and looked at, I, I did little grading, the QB index stuff. And, it's like it was probably better than any start Daniel Jones made his rookie year or like Drew Locke made his rookie year. I was trying to think of like mid-level quarterbacks and like it was a really good performance. That's all. I just all right, think this, go ahead. If you're if you're worried about your job, it's such a risky play. And with new ownership, you can almost guarantee that you're gone unless like you guys said you make the playoffs putting riding with that. I mean, you're being mm. the caretaker of the club. That's probably not going to keep you around. If you're just trying to develop this guy, if I was Eric, the enemy, I'd be a little shook too, that this is his big chance, but I think they think they're going to win with running and defense. We'll see. Okay. It's kind of similar, um, this topic. So this will be a good, uh, seg. I, part of me likes, um, like if I'm a Bucks fan, part of me likes their decision to not say, Oh, well, Tom's gone now. Tom, by the way, you know, he lost $30 million um, in the collapse of FTX. $30 million. And I know he's got a lot of money. But he's also, you know, getting divorced or just got divorced. Like, $30 million. That hurts. I think I, I think that is a level that is a, a significant amount of pain for Tom Brady. <laughs> okay, I, I, I don't know I, how rich you have to be to, for that not to hurt. I'll tell you what, if, if you called me and said, You're, you just lost $30 million today, I'd be shook. Would it be enough for Tom maybe to end up playing another year? Because the only way for Tom Brady to make $30 million like that is just to play mm-hmm. one more season in the NFL. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, or it does. We'll see. But uh, the Bucks did make this decision not to just start over post Brady. And I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, but at the same time, uh, if you're a Bucks fan, you look at this division, the NFC South, you say, all right, we can, we can talk ourselves into this. But what has me shook is the pivot. I don't think Baker Mayfield could play at this level in a, in a consistent mm. 
basis. I, I've kind of thought that for a couple of years. And sometimes he'll drop a game that will get you excited, and he does have that sizzle and uh, that he, he there's a Q rating with Baker that I think far exceeds his abilities as a quarterback. So I'm shook if I'm a Bucks fan that, like, you do this, you bring back Bowles, uh, who obviously I think needs to make the playoffs this year, and you bring back a lot of the veterans on defense, and you keep Godwin and Mike Evans when you probably could have started looking toward the future and made some trades this offseason potentially. And now it's Baker, and if Baker falls on his face like he has every year the last three or four years, it's Kyle Trask, a second-round pick, who you're obviously not too fond of or high on at this point based on some decisions they've made. I just, you know, I'd be a little shook if I'm a Bucks fan. Happy that we're not, you know, tanking, but a little concerned about the overall plan and, and what Todd Bowles can do with a quarterback like that. I think the circumstances that give – the Buccaneers fans hope with this situation like oh Baker just needs to be like average and we have enough talent around him to win is the same circumstances that leave me shook which is that if he's not that guy everything's falling apart I mean cleaning house top to bottom that was what would leave me very worried going into the season no longer can Tom Brady protect you and he did his best to protect you last year and you, you barely got to the finish line. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a rough year. I can't imagine it's going to be any better this time around. It's a tough scene. And uh, perhaps like you said, Dan, before long, they're going to be starting over. I, I'm surprised they're the odds makers um, most likely team to finish in the cellar in that division by far. Like it's the other three, the, the Falcons and the saints, especially are way ahead of them. I, I don't see it that way, but I do. Totally agree with you, Dan, because I look at it like which teams potentially are going to be eyesores for me personally, uh, like four or five weeks into the season that I'm like getting tired of watching them. And it would be a bummer to be watching like a one in four Bucks team with Baker and Todd Bowles is miserable and all these guys who won Super Bowls are just like slogging through a bad season. They they are high up there on the like potential unwatchable teams. So I hope, I hope they at least can just like stay mediocre. Yeah. And you know, I know uh, Brady finally did regress um, last season. And I would say like, I don't know if you guys agree, but the last season of Tom Brady, if that was, he was maybe a replacement level or a, a touch above because of obviously his, his, his um, genius knowledge of how the quarterback position is played. And he still had an arm. It just, it wasn't happening, but remember how, how much of a slog they were to watch with Brady at a lesser lesser level or closer to a league average level. Now, if you took this team and gave them a below average or a maybe even a, a bottom five quarterback room, uh, yeah, this could get uh, very grim. So I, I, I am shook. I'm officially shook, Nick Shook. Two for two. All right, Greggy, you're up. Okay. I, I'm shook that the Packers are behind the Bears in the preseason odds. I'm leaning hard on the preseason odds. Like I'm, I'm, I'm shook that the expectation is that the Bears are going to be much better and that the Packers are this um, disaster team that's going to be in the cellar there. Not like the odds are too different, but this makes no sense to me. Not just like looking at which team has won more games over the last two or three years, although like I think that's a factor. Like a lot of the same players uh, are there on both teams. Uh, but just looking at... Green Bay's defensive roster is money. I think the coaching staff, the coach, the offensive coaching staff is money. I think the offensive line is a little boomer bust, but it could be really, really good. And it's just like all on the quarterback combined with 
the Bears lost a lot of close games last year, but I think they have a long way to go still on their defense. I want Justin Fields to be good. I hope he's good. But the optimism I've seen from Bears fans this offseason where they just they think it's all happening right now worries me a little bit. It has me shook that they're going to be disappointed, and especially for the rest of the division who thinks, okay, Aaron Rodgers is finally gone. Like, we can finally do our thing. I don't know, man. I think Jordan Love has a chance to be good, and more importantly, the rest of the roster is good, and they're, they are not going into the cellar. I'm shook. Yeah, for as much as we depend on quarterback and value quarterback in this league at the same time, if your team around it is around that quarterback is much better, I think you have a better shot. I mean, we've seen teams go win Super Bowls with, you know, average quarterbacks. Granted, that was a while ago, but it's, it happens. I'm not saying they're going to go win a Super Bowl, but the Bears were not a good football team last year. They had an exciting quarterback, but they had a lot of, you know, ground to make up and one exciting offseason of moves. And suddenly the optimism is, you know, at a fever pitch in Chicago. I'm right there with you, Greg. I am also shook at by by the fact that Bears fans, I mean, maybe they just need a reason to get geared up for the season, but it's not going to be an overnight success, at least not in my opinion. And in comparison to the Packers, I think that's going to be a tough, uh, tough frog to leap. We are all in lockstep on this one because one of my possibilities here, if it hadn't been brought up, was me, comma, and Bears fans, comma, are over our skis with the Justin Fields hype. Um, because you can, um, and I'm sure you guys have seen it as well, um, when you if you read about this team, you could pop the hood on a lot of Fields' stats and beyond the playmaking um, there are, there's reasons to be concerned about his development as a passer. And I know he's out there in the media now. And, you know, Eric Kramer, f-ing Eric Kramer has the team record for yardage in a season, 3,800 yards and fields of saying, Oh yeah, the, I'm, I'm breaking that this year, 4,000 yards. Uh, I'm being the, the first Chicago bears quarterback in history to do that. Um, we kind of have to see it. We have to see that development from that side of the game. We also have to see him stay healthy. Um, he plays a very physical brand of football, obviously. Um, so while I am in on the Bears, maybe I know the Lions are kind of the favorite in the division, and the, the Packers, I agree, are kind of overlooked right now as a team that has a real chance uh, to come out of that division on top. Um, while I say the Bears could be the team that has the biggest jump uh, win-loss record, there's also another side of this, and we can't ignore everything that we've seen with Fields and only study on the electrifying side of his game. Yeah, our friend Adam Rank is a you know, big Bears guy. I had them going 12-5 and five on his uh, NFL <laughs> Network. Like, that, that's what Rank. I mean. It's like, uh, just, just be careful. You're setting yourself up here. <laughs> All right, Chuck, give us another one, bud. All right. Um, I am shook by the idea of playing a Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Oh, I'm like shook that. by the 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 challenge it will be not to not have a good time, but to not have too much of a good time for some of the folks that will be involved in the Super Bowl week of hmm. festivities. Uh, you know, in the including last years, yourself. No, no, come on now. I'm 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 a mature adult and a professional, but I don't know if everybody else that's around the Super Bowl is gonna be. It's gonna be a madhouse. I mean, bottom line, it's gonna be crazy. Uh, everything's gonna be condensed. You know, we're not going to be all spread out like you were in the Phoenix area last year, like you were in Miami. It's all right there. And I don't <laughs> I know, love man. This one. <laughs> I don't know. I just some interesting things have happened since pro sports have moved to Vegas, putting a Super Bowl there. It's going to be quite a spectacle. But behind the scenes, I don't know. All right. Mm. Well, we got through the draft last year without incident. Obviously, that's a, a different vibe. Um, far less parties and, and things of that nature. I I have to I have to be honest with you guys. I. 
Well, a little bit of personal news, family news. My my father injured his Achilles uh, a couple of weeks ago and needed to undergo surgery. So Keith um, is you mm. know down right now, and he's got a, a rehab in front of him. And you know, yeah, the Super Bowl is in February, and you know my team that I love is oh <laughs> all right. And here I am thinking, if the Jets ever made the Super Bowl in my lifetime, I am not. Um, not watching that game without my dad by my side. And I'm thinking about my dad's rehab and I'm counting the months and I'm saying, okay, is this even, is this, am I jinxing the jets by even trying to figure out my dad's rehab, uh, Achilles schedule and, and February, I just got to get Keith to, to Vegas. If it ever happened, the unthinkable. So that was, that has me mm. shook that, that whole situation. Uh, I'm less worried about the things you're worried about, Shook, but uh, I hope everyone is responsible. I mean, you're not a father, Shook, yet, but this really shows that you will be a good dad, Nick, because, uh, you know, you think about these things. Get to bed on time, kids. You need uh, to get him a clock, up. by the way. Like one of those things that you put on the wall, a countdown by the, by the second to kickoff. <laughs> Feel better, Keith. Um, I, I didn't know that. I I know he's going to have a, a heroic recovery in time for this jet super bowl what a story that would be i mean he's the real he, you know hero here of the uh, the around the nfl podcast that would be an amazing plot line i i'm not as worried about uh the vegas but you're just because it's gonna be crazy and i'm all about nick like at this point not saying we we've done everything but we've been to a lot of super bowls and this seems so different from any super bowl that we've ever done that that excites me but i also hear you that six seven nights in vegas Feels uh feels like too much probably uh, yeah it's for, twice for anyone, the recommended maximum for anyone uh and this is the year actually I promised uh Walker um that he would make his first one it's it's close enough we, you know they can get there quickly so my my son will I I hope see his first Super Bowl in, in Las Vegas that's beautiful yeah we're we're getting old Greg and our kids are starting to grow up I've thought about that myself about when uh, we're fortunate enough to be able to take people to the Super Bowl when uh. uh when the games occur, um, that's cool. Uh, all right. Now, I'm up. One more for me. I'm a little bit shook that uh, the report that came out that the Jets have banned cameras from filming cuts uh, on Hard Knocks. In general, mm-hmm. I'm a little shook about Hard Knocks and the future of Hard Knocks, but I'm not going to go down that road. Mm. Have Instead, they ever, Has any team ever done that in the past? I think uh, there have been teams that maybe more on the it wasn't kind of reported uh, because this has become like the story around the season is that the team doesn't want to do it. So I think there's more reporting around the, the this uh, season for that reason. But uh, I think it's definitely been de-emphasized, uh, but not entirely eliminated for the most part. And uh, we mentioned Chad Johnson, uh, one of the most memorable hard knocks. Um, and it's a, a an unfortunate uh, storyline around his NFL career. Uh, but when Chad Ochocinco with the Dolphins during the Joe Feldman era was on that show and he got arrested for a, a, a domestic violence incident, uh, they had the cameras in camp uh, when Feldman and Jeff Ireland, I believe it was, let Johnson go. And it was a obviously an emotionally charged moment for this great player who, who was seeing his career end uh, in an unceremonious fashion. I don't know if his career actually ended there, but his Dolphins career ended. That will not be part of things. Uh, in Hard Knocks. But I guess what really has me shook is all these running backs reportedly on a group text chat talking about revenge or plotting 
some type of, to borrow a Sesslerism, coup d'etat uh, against an, an NFL that has uh, turned its back on them and financially penalized them for the position they play. On Monday's program, we talked about the franchise uh, tag deadline for long-term deals, and sure enough, Josh Jacobs, the NFL rushing leader last year, a true titan of the position, talks never even came close uh, between the Raiders and Jacobs. The Giants and Saquon Barkley talks uh, stalled over a report out there. There's a $2 million difference, but... The Giants said, no, nah, we're walking away from this. We're just not going to do it. Um, players like Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler had extremely pointed commentary uh, on Twitter. And then there was that report that they're all conspiring on a text chain. Wouldn't you like to be on that? Um, let's listen to Saquon Barkley, by the way, just to give you an idea of how upset these running backs are. And I know Greg poo pooed the whole thing on Monday and then said, you know, they're damn millionaires. So I why didn't did say you? that. I just was like, this is this storyline has gotten a lot of airtime. That's all. I think it's deserve it. I think it's a, a very um, a, a just cause that these running backs are are speaking out on because it is bonkers to me. The point that it's gotten to anyway, here's Saquon talking about his situation on the money matters podcast. I can say F- you to the giants. I can say F- to my teammates and be like, you want me to show you my words? You want to show you how much, how valuable I am to the team? I won't show up. Right. I won't play it down. And that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a play I can use. Do I, anybody knows me knows that's not something I want to do. But like it's something that has it something that crossed my mind. It's like I has never to. I never thought I would ever do that. But like now I'm at a point where it's like, Jesus, like I, I might have to take it to this level. And like, am I willing? Am I prepared to take it to the level? I don't know. Mm. I don't think Barkley will hold out. I think he's even saying it there, like because he's not uh, he's not willing to do that to his teammates. Um and, and disappear for a long stretch or the whole season. And we saw with Le'Veon Bell what happens sometimes or potentially if you walk away for a year. Uh, Greg, Pro Football Talk, your old boss Florio had a good post about what what actual what can running backs do. Um, and he pointed out that a holdout after year three, if you're coming off year three, is really your only chance uh, because they you're far enough away uh, where they it can't be a situation where they're going to look to tag you um, after year four uh, or year five, if you're a first round pick. Um, and if you're coming off that big third year, uh, Zeke Elliott was able to turn that into an extension. Barkley, to use him as an example, that's when he tore his ACL. So he had no leverage. He wasn't able to do that. So after, if you have a big third season, um, you could turn that into a payday. Otherwise, once they get you to that, the end of that first contract, they're just going to play ball like this with you, whether you like it or not. It's just become the way the league is being run business-wise. Right. I mean, I think Jacobs and Barkley are, and, and Pollard to a lesser degree, are interesting examples of that. They didn't have that leverage. They they had up and down careers coming off year three. Like that's, I don't think it's overheated. I think it's an interesting conversation. But like Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, all those guys actually did get paid because um, they were consistently at a high level. And when you look at the salaries of running backs, they're similar still like even though they've they've stagnated they're in the ballpark of tight ends and safeties like no one no one's crying for the safety market um 
getting overlooked in free agency every year. And that kind of makes sense to me that those three positions would be a little lower. The The problem is, and I hope all this attention uh, raises light to it, is in the CBA in that like, I don't think the rookie contracts, the the way it's structured, how you're stuck on the team and, and how low those rookie contracts are is is probably unfair in general, but it's especially unfair to, to running backs because that's when their careers peak. And I do think there's probably something that could be revisited. Unfortunately for the players, it's not for a long time. Like they like agreed to this CBA and it's a totally different NFL than it was before this rookie rate wage scale came in. And I think the rookie wage scale was so far in one direction um, for the top players that they, they probably overcorrected. And it's almost insane how, great a value any rookie is on a rookie contract and especially running backs who, who burn burn out quickly yeah i think about um guy you know you talk about that year three mark i think about a Devonte freeman you know he drafted in 14 extended in 17 and the falcons regretted it shortly thereafter <laughs> i mean there's there's been enough lessons in the last decade or so right that, cook didn't get to the end of that contract these running backs usually don't neither did zeke obviously yeah yeah and and Gurley, kind of a similar case as well neither so, did Mixon, for that matter he just got uh, he had to take a pay cut yeah so it's it's really tough to be a running back and this is very legion of doom though this this text chain i like this i like <laughs> i like them sitting around and speaking with you know i don't know lawyers or we're all gonna because by the time that cba comes up they're done but maybe they're gonna pass it on to the next generation and get their angst out in the meantime um and derrick henry who did get that second contract with the titans and by the way he's performed well throughout the life of it as he enters his last year four years 50 million like that money though greg like that puts him like in line with what like number two wide receivers get right i, I mean he for so what these true star players are saying is like if you're going to pay out a wide receiver, I think that's the closest um, positional group in terms of playmaker on the offense that makes the team go. Why are we not getting paid like these wideouts or even guys that are below the top tier of wideouts? Why are we in a, in a, in a lower class? Um, it's just a positional group screw job. The It's like the Montreal screw job of a roster payout. Yeah, I think people I think the fact that it's not just PFF, it's people who think like PFF that work for NFL buildings, just think wide receiver is twice as valuable a position. Hmm. Don't think that's true, but okay. That's yeah, the way it's I, being I just done. think that's the thinking that has gone into it, that they just think wide receivers are, are more important. All right. Give us one more, Greg. Here we go, baby. Okay. I'm, I'm a little shook about the Cowboys offense in general the way Mike McCarthy talks in general, the fact that he hired Brian Schottenheimer and Mike Solari. Uh, Schottenheimer, <laughs> enough said. Solari has been on the Cowboys coaching staff previously. It was under Tom Landry. That's how long their offensive line coach has been around. Like, this is as old school as it gets. And then specifically when it comes to McCarthy, a little shook how they're, like, looking at this offensive line right now. Tyler Swift was probably the best left tackle that was a rookie in the league last year, better than the two top ten picks. Um, and they're probably going to play him at guard because, like, Tyron Smith doesn't really fit at right tackle, and he's a future Hall of Famer. And then they have Terrence Steele who's coming off a right, and they just think, like, okay, we can get our best five out here if we put our rookie back at guard. It just – it all feels a little weird, like conservative thinking. And if you've got a, a rookie left tackle that plays that well, 
moving him around because of like an oft injured uh, couple of veterans doesn't make a lot of sense and just and really supports the conservative thinking I would say that's going on in, in Dallas. It has me a little worried. It has me shook. I mean, they they kind of ran into this situation last year. This is what they dealt with. They, that was the su- succession plan. All right, he's going to play guard, and then Tyron's going to retire, and Tyler's going to take over. And, you know, Wrench was thrown into the plans. I, I agree with you, but I also see their logic to get the best five out there. My only thing is that Jason Peters ended up in this starting lineup last year because of this, right? Like, you got to plan a little bit better than they have for similar scenarios when you have an off-injured tackle like uh, Tyron Smith. So, I... Yeah, I, I I'm more shook about the fact that Mike McCarthy's calling plays than anything that that he's taking over the offense and and uh, decided to split with Kellen Moore in an acrimonious way and I mean, we already know that he struggles with managing the clock sometimes so I it's I mean you're on the line now he's, wait he's are they gonna run more he talks like they're just gonna run more but they already were running too much ineffectively yeah. and now they don't really have any depth behind Pollard who's coming off a serious injury it's it's a little weird. We'll see. Just, Zeke's going to end up back there, it feels like, right? <laughs> just feels like for a team that is is conservative in how they're kind of rolling this plan out, wouldn't they bring back the guy that knows their scheme that they could trust to, whether it's blocking assignments or, or know you know how they like to run the football? Um, maybe it's Dalvin Cook, as we talked about on Monday, but Zeke at a, at a much reduced rate. Uh, giving them a little security blanket feels in line with the kind of ethos of where they're at right now offensively. I'd feel differently about them if they signed Cook. I think that'd be the best spot for him. Maybe Kareem Hunt even, but someone. One of those guys makes sense. We'll be doing our um, annual head coach hot butt rankings uh, in a couple weeks. And McCarthy's an interesting one because I'm just, one thing I'm not sure about is what constitutes uh an acceptable level of success for McCarthy to have another year on the sidelines. Like what is Jarrah expecting from this team? I mean, he's expecting a Super Bowl because he's Jarrah, but like what would be deemed a fireable offense in terms mm. of a bottom line result for the 2023 Cowboys kind of stick a pin in that, but I think it's a nice little plot line in the NFC. Yeah. I think, I think getting rid of your offensive coordinator exposes you to that and makes it something that we definitely have to watch for sure. Good call. That is one of those things like, when you're trying to figure out how how safe a coach is, if they made a coordinator change, that's kind of using their mulligan, if you will. Uh, that's their little protection card. And yep. once that's done, you're more in the firing line. Um, all right, Shooky. Damn, man, you said it all. We, I feel like we learned a lot about Nick uh, today, Greg. Um, I feel I feel closer to Nick, and I, I feel like we should uh, keep Nick in the mix uh, beyond the <laughs> Sunday Night Flagship program based on – I just, I like the guy. I don't know. I just like the guy. I mean, same. I don't know if people know. I mean, we go back pretty far with Nick. How, when, when were you hired, Nick? I mean. The first it, time or the second time? <laughs> I, the first time. Cause I, yeah. I believe I was the one who did the hiring. Yes, I hired, yes. I hired Nick Shook back in the day. Way back in the year 2014. So like we've got, that's what I realized. Like Dan, we, we've been around at this company a long time. You've, you've been around even longer, but we both. We've both been there. We've been doing this job a lot. Like, I still think of Shook and Patrick Claibon, for instance, as like, oh, yeah, they, they're kind of new arrivals. It's like, no, it's been um, nine years now for, for both of them. <laughs> We're like two, like, old-ass, like, Gandalf wizard types, just, like, survivors that see everyone as kids at this point. Right. But in, the, in reality, <laughs> Shook's been, been here, uh, been there the, most of the time we have, too. 
I'm not going to lie. I'm shook by the passage of time. How about that? When I walk in the newsroom and the one time I go out to L.A. every 18 to 24 months and I see one of the younger DCPs, I am also shook because Mm, that was once me. I remember shook, uh, you know, you might have hired shook uh, NFL, but I also signed shook to a uh, softball contract and his lovely. Are you guys married now? I know you were engaged. We're engaged now. We're yeah. married. Yeah. As soon to be wife when they were just young pups, like just falling in love on the softball field and, and saying, wow, these kids got a chance as we, uh, you know, just roared to our second consecutive uh, championship in Los Angeles. I was uh, going through some stuff in my basement a couple weeks ago and pulled out my jersey and my championship t-shirt. Gorgeous. We we were were actually the free agent class. You were like, you were like, um, I'm trying to think of a great GM in history. Uh, You know, you you were making some great signings that year. Me and Shook really added to the added to the mix. Made sure you didn't fall off. It was, you know, it was. uh, That's why I always called West my consigliere, um, because (laughs) we put a little more thought into the roster construction than people might have realized um, during work hours. Probably you were the boss at the time, Greg, so we probably hid it from you. But, uh, you know, there was, you know, a lot of discussion. What's the best version of the team? And when Shook hit the scene with those shoulders and the biceps, you're like, oh, we just found our number five hitter. We just, I mean, we just found a middle of the order presence. And then um, your, your fiance, she was an athletic woman, is like, oh, we just found another a winner here. Uh, so it was like a double ringer signing. Uh, of the Shook family. Package deal, but I have one question for you, Dan. When you were uh, working with Wes on really charting this out and envisioning a championship, not only winning, but defending roster, were you a spreadsheet guy or were you a magnet on the board mm. type of guy? <laughs> magnet on the board, big time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we don't we don't pop the hood uh, with softball. We just say, who who's a good hang? Uh, who played uh, sports at any time in their life? Yeah, who <laughs> who can we count on? Who looks good coming fees. off the bus that's going to intimidate the other team? Exactly. That's a big factor. A big reason for the Shield success was we were not a 25 cabs, 25 guys at the end of the day uh, type team. Uh, and uh, Shook, you were a great addition. I was um, always happy to be part of it. All right. That's it uh, for another edition of Around the NFL. We'll be back, like we said. Uh, first show uh, in... Uh, first week in a while, Greg, we're going to be doing three shows next week as as training camp kicks off in earnest uh, across the league. So uh, make sure you're there for that. Uh, any Oh, final. Ooh, just in time. Before I say goodbye here, guys, I have an official statement from Bob Bates. DDS retired on the Denzel Mimzera in New York. You guys ready for this? All right. Official statement. I'm really surprised and disappointed he didn't make not only a big impact on the Jets, but also becoming a big-time star. I hope the change in scenery with the Lions will give him a shot of becoming that star. With Mims' size and adequate speed, he should help them. I haven't given up on him. There it is. I got to say, if you're Bob Bates, the Lions might be your number one draft pick. If ever there was a spot that Mims could... Make the team maybe make some impact uh, with Jamison Williams out at the beginning of the season as kind of their their deep threat guy. This is his chance, but um, I guess I'm not as optimistic. But I hope I hope I'm wrong. All right, there we go. And it should be noted uh, on the way out the door. Eric Roberts just chimed in. Our producer, myself, 
uh, Randy, big Randy behind the scenes, and Sean Kelly won the softball championship last season with the NFL two squad. How about wow. that? So the next the next uh, generation carries on um, the the dynasty. Unbelievable. Thank you. I, w- I want to know who is the George Seifert to your Bill Walsh, Dan. Oh, good question. Good question. Another time, another discussion. All right. Until next week. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.